Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Economia. I am Monica Martinez, LEDC's Communications Manager. With me today as my co-host is Nicole Andoni. Nicole is the Program Coordinator for our Empowered Women International Program. Bienvenida, Nicole. Hola, Monica. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm so excited to have you as my co-host for today. Today's guest is someone who turned her side hustle into a formal business. Christy Gilks is the owner of Sweet Intuition, a dessert bakery serving up remix classic, global, and island flavors. Christy's love for baking started from a very young age, but it was not until September 2019 that she decided to take her side hustle to the next stage by enrolling in Empowered Women International's Entrepreneur Training for Success program. <clears throat> Earlier this year, Christy held the grand opening of Sweet Intuition's operation out of a commercial kitchen in Frederick, Maryland. Welcome, Christy. We're so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So be with you guys. So Christy, you are originally from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, correct? Yes, ma'am. And what prompted your family to move to mainland U.S.? So I'm actually unsure of that. Um, I'm going to say that maybe for a better life, uh, my parents were teen in their like late teens. And my dad came up here first. He worked and he sent for us. And then that's how... I became familiar with the DMV region. Did you have any expectations of what life would be like in the U.S.? Um, I was a toddler when I came up, so I didn't really have any expectations. Like, you know, whatever. essentially, whatever your parents choose for you is what is going to be your path. So you really don't, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, traditionally, you really don't have a say-so. I mean, so, yeah, even though the kids are different these days, they don't have a say-so. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's uh, the story of a lot of <clears throat> children of immigrants, mm-hmm. where you come here from a very young age. It's it's your parents who come here and you you come along. That was come at least for me. Ride. That's my experience <laughs> right. as well. So I can I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So Christy, um, what do you think contributed to your passion for baking? What contributed to my passion for baking was, you know, just being around family that, you know, they baked for recreational purposes and something that was their job occupation. So I had my mom, she would enjoy making these delicious cakes. And then, you know, when I was younger, my dad, he was working as a, in a bakery. Um, he does general contracting now, but he worked as a bake in a bakery and then on my mom's side I had an uncle and he was a baker and for me like as I got older I didn't even want any birthday cakes I just wanted his tarts like send me the <laughs> pineapple tart or the coconut tart or the guava tart that's what I want I don't want a birthday cake I want a tart and then um from to my knowledge like I said my grandfather he had you know a hand in baking as well too. So that influence was pretty strong in our family. So we have a lot of people that are practical and have practical careers, doctors, lawyers, nurses, and things like that, or entertainment, or they are creative. And then, you know, in their recreational time, they utilize things like baking or other things like that for mm-hmm. their decompression. I think by the end of this, I'm going to have to go out and, uh, Get something to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about those tarts. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there a specific moment in your life when you realized baking could be more than a hobby? Um, So it's always been a hobby. The specific point when I realized that, you know, it was 
potentially more than a hobby and a side hustle was when my when I came became a mother while I was in college and um I separated from the dad and um it wasn't like the best situation and I just wanted what was best for my my child and myself so um you know I separated from the dad I'm still in college trying to finish this nursing degree mm-hmm. and I am trying to get a break in the healthcare field, but no one will hire me. Got my licensure. Then I finally got hired for like pretty much pennies. So it was like $7 and 50 cents an hour. And it was tremendously less than what I was getting paid in my previous career track. And, Mm um, I needed to be able to take care of my daughter. Like how am I going to pay my bills? How am I make sure my daughter has the things that she needs to be okay? Cause this isn't anything, you know, and you know, that's some people that weren't happy with my choice, but I was like, you know, I have to take this chance to be able to get where I need to get in life. So, um, having my child was where, you know, I, did, I was like, you know what, what can I do to make ends meet? How can I be able to still focus on my aspirations mm-hmm. and still take care of my child? And then that's how baking and making cakes came into play. It was like after her third birthday. What was the first cake or pastry that you sold? So the first cake or pastry came shortly after my daughter's third birthday cake that I made for her, which was like a mini mouse fondant tiered cake with the fondant figurine. My first cake was a Jordan shoebox cake. So like I was, it was really exciting. Like everybody's like, oh my goodness, is that real money? I was like, no. And then um, the client was telling me that her partner was trying to take the money and put it in her pocket like it was actual money. And... <laughs> It, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie like I was extremely nervous because I was like you know what you asked for this you said mm-hmm. you wanted to have an opportunity t- to be able to take care of your child and self like this is the opportunity so yeah. it was it was pretty nerve wracking but like I said um I was able to just knock it out of the park and I was really happy about that so it was a Jordan shoebox cake and the interior was a mango buttercream with a mango cake mm. yeah yum. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any family members or people in your life that you looked up to and that were entrepreneurs or business owners? So I am actually first. So it didn't hit me until like um, a couple months ago. So I am actually first gen, a female business entrepreneur in my family. So wow, um, yeah, <laughs> it is it's kind of. Like, it still has me in awe at times. Um, I know, like I said, my daddy has a general contracting firm mm-hmm. that he um, he has, you know. Um, as far as, like, um, business-wise, you know, on that realm, like, I'm just learning as I go along. And then also, to all of the years of experience that I've had working has played a tremendous role in helping me in my entrepreneurial jury- journey. So um, I do have other like individuals coming up behind me and my family. I see them, you know, starting businesses and it makes me happy. I'm not going to say I'm responsible for that because I don't know what their personal thing is. But it was like, you know what? I actually, you know, they say do it scared. So like, that's what it was like. I did it yeah. scared <laughs> yeah. to make it happen. So, yeah. Christy, the pandemic forced many people to reevaluate their lives 
It's my understanding that it was around this time that you decided to put nursing school on hold and pursue your dream of becoming an entrepreneur slash cake artist and a full-time baker. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, I can. So the pandemic, that is just, (laughs) that's how you can sum that up. So with the pandemic, it was like so many things were happening. So I was already working on an exit plan because um, the job that I had gotten promoted and um, I was extremely unhappy. It became Mm -hmm. toxic really fast. And it got toxic to a point where it put my livelihood and my well-being in jeopardy to the Mm -hmm. point where, um, you know, like I ended up in the hospital, you know, for nine days because it triggered my um, disability. I don't like to talk about it. So I have multiple sclerosis, but I don't like to highlight that because that does not define who I am as a person. I can move and get around just like everyone else. So it triggered that. And then, you know, I wasn't able to walk for a very long time. And um, I had occupational therapy, physical therapy. And um, then, you know, I was like, what can I do? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And then um, my partner, I'm sorry, like I said, it really like I'm still getting to a point where like I'm like fully OK with it because what was done was not OK. You know, um, I'm a human being just like anyone else. And, yeah. you know, for me to look up to someone and aspire to be just like them and, you know, for me to abruptly like drop everything that I'm doing, because, you know, beforehand when I was in this career track, everybody's like, oh, you should open a bakery. Here's a baker. I'm like, no, this is mm-hmm. what I want. I put it and the guy was like, With here the, you go. I'm like, no. In, in the medical want. field, you mean? Yes. In the medical field. I'm like, I want to finish this. I'm like. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. God's like, here you go. I'm like, I don't want it. He's like, here you go. So I was like, as I was in a hospital, I was like, okay, well, maybe he does have a point. So let me go ahead and go with it and see how it can go. Because honestly, I don't even have that many credits left to get my nursing degree. That's why it's so bad. Cause it's like, I have less than what, like seven credits, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're like, are you serious? Did you really just, you're at the finish line and you like really dropped everything you have to pursue this? Like, yeah, why not? You know, I wasn't happy, so why not go with my other love and, you know, make it happen? So in August, I went ahead and got my EIN. You know, I was like, you know, I'm I'm putting my I'm putting the fire to my own feet. And I'm like, you know what? You said you want to exit plan. So let's go to make this happen. So in August, August, I got my EIN, then went ahead to establish my business federally and locally, um, getting all the groundwork and the foundation set and then Mm -hmm. while the situation happened where I ended up in a hospital because of that individual Mm -hmm. um my partner came up to me with like an email and he was like I think that you're really you'll be awesome for this and I was like "Mm." I was like yeah I was like you know what I was like, I'm already in the hospital already. Like, <laughs> like what, what, you know what I'm saying? You know, why not? So while I was in the hospital, you know, I have a bad habit of like not knowing how to relax and rest. I'm always go, go, go. I'm working on that right mm-hmm. now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, zip, 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 zip. so I'm working on that part. So like I applied for the EWI program and then, you know, I just crossed my fingers like, you know, as I got, if it's meant for me, it's meant for me. If it's not, then, you know, I'm going to try again and, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens. How did you find out about EWI's Entrepreneur Training for Success program? 
So I found out about the EWI Entrepreneur for Success program from my partner. So prior to that, we had went to an LEDC um, mortgage workshop at one of the at the college that I was attending at that time. You know, we gave mm-hmm. our email addresses. You know, we got you guys newsletters and things like that. Yeah. And then you know, um, at the time I was like. Hmm. But I was like still like scared. So I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready for this. So with everything going on and then like I said, my partner seeing how talented I am, mm-hmm. he got the newsletter. And he's like, I, he's like, babe, I really think that you would be great for this. And I'm like, OK, well, I'll try. He's like, yeah, you should really try. And I was like, OK, so I'll just go forward and, you know, just go all in. And that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And did. when we did the interview, I saw this passionate young woman um, <laughs> who, you know, I, I could see clearly into the future, um, you know, your success. So I'm so glad that you reached out to us and applied for the program. So Empowered Women International is a program of the Latino Economic Development Center. The mission of the EWI program is to provide entrepreneurship training, mentoring, market access, and support services to help talented and high potential women monetize their creative or cultural assets, artistic abilities, knowledge, and skills, and become change makers in their families, communities, and the world. We serve immigrant, refugee, low income, and at-risk women in the greater Washington, D.C. metro area. At EWI, we offer talented and creative women dynamic training programs with professional teachers, mentors, and a supportive peer community where they can achieve their entrepreneurial dreams. Each year, we serve over 750 women with our holistic approach. Christy participated in the Entrepreneur Training for Success course. The ETS, as we call it, course, is an intensive three-month program which goes into business, workforce, life, and leadership skills. ETS strongly emphasizes the fundamentals of micro-entrepreneurship combined with the basics of financial literacy. We offer the ETS program twice during the year, once in the fall and again in the spring, Um And we generally graduate between 50 and 60 women a year from the ETS program. So essentially, if there's a woman that has a viable business idea or she has an informal business or has started her business but has never created a business plan, this is a really great program because it takes you through the steps of creating a business plan. So you'll do the market research, you'll, you know, determine your channels of distribution, who is your target market, um, you know, develop your mission, your vision, um, your marketing plan, your financial plan. And along with that, you're going to meet a group of incredible women who, uh, you know, are very like-minded, ambitious, and become part of a great community of women entrepreneurs. Um, so that's just a little bit about the Entrepreneur Training for Success program under the Empowered Women International program at LADC. Now, Christy, you graduated from the program in the spring of 2020. <clears throat> Tell us about your experience. You know, what are some things you learned and how did the program help improve your business idea? So what I learned from 
being in the EWI ETS program is that I learned how to most importantly come up with the business plan. You have to have a business plan. Like when I had this side hustle and I was coming up with my exit strategy out of um, my previous career, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't need a business plan. I'm just going to come up with prices and it's going to be fine. No, you need to have a business plan. A business plan is a lifeblood of your business. It helps you stay on track with your goals. And if you need to revise anything, you can always revise and add things to that business plan. And most importantly, when you get to that point when you want to apply for financing, the business mm-hmm. plan shows numbers, you know, And it makes dollars make sense, you know, in that point. It helps you really think about what your business is. Because before I started this program, you know, I really didn't have, like, a niche as far as what I was doing. So I was like, I need you to make me this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I need you to make me this strawberry. I could do that. And it wasn't, I didn't like doing them. I was like, you know what, I could do that. But then I find myself stockpiled with all these additional ingredients that I do not use on a day-to-day basis. So mm-hmm. the business plan was like the most important thing. Another thing that I was able to learn in EWI was not only business plan, financing, how to get my finances in order because your business mm-hmm. and your personal finances should be in order. Um, the thought process about how you choose your logo. Um, Cause like I said, when I started my logo, when I started my logo was a little bit <laughs> It was a little different, say, for me. So um, it had, like, a little fairy. I I wasn't really, like, thinking, like, about, like, the long term mm-hmm. with my logo. So my logo was in process, but it wasn't finished yet. Um, we learned yeah. about psycholo- color psychology and, you know, and how it plays a role in how you want your brand to be viewed by others and how it will play a role in your consumers potentially that you get for your business. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, we had that awesome part where we were, we were paired with our mentors and we had pure mentors. So we were able to, you know, get those one-on-ones. Additionally, we had those breakout rooms, you know, and then for us to be like the first gen of like the virtual program, I will say, I can, can I just say that we like knocked it out of the park, like really, really truly did because like, you know, like we're the first gen and like look at all of the ladies that have graduated from our first gen, you know, virtual program. Yeah. Like they yeah. are really doing it and walking in their purpose. So it's oh, like, I know your, class, so, your class is on fire. Yes. It makes me so proud. Like, I just want to <laughs> like, it, like, I want to have like tears in that. Like, I'm so proud of all of these ladies. Like yeah. we have come from various backgrounds and, you mm-hmm. know, we rally behind each other yep. and we support each other. Even if it's just reposting something, we support each other. And that is awesome. I've even made, you know, connections with other sisters from other cohorts in, mm-hmm. you know, the EWI program that graduated the same year as myself. And they are doing it as well. Like, I'm so proud of all these ladies. Like, pandemic yeah. what? Like, we are really doing <laughs> I know. We're, we're so happy we were, re- be, we were able to create community because historically... Yeah. We've been doing our programs, all of all, all of our programming in person until the pandemic hit, yeah. um, and so we pivoted uh, completely virtual. And we were we were a little scared that that um, 
community component, um, that sisterhood component was going to be lost um, when we did the virtual, but we made it work. And the women are still connecting, um, which is really, really, really great. And um, just you can see the need for community for especially yes. for women entrepreneurs um cuz you guys you know have are single moms you know mm. many have full-time jobs you know there's a lot of things that women can relate to each other about that you know you can't really talk <laughs> you know you can't really talk to your your husband or spouse mm. um about it and and just to have a community of other women that are you know going through a similar journey yeah. um is really it's it, it's really uh valuable now Christy, now is the time to give us your elevator pitch. Tell us more about Sweet Intuition. Okay, so Sweet Intuition. We are based in the DMV area. Uh, My bakery is located in the Frederick, Maryland region. So what we do is we take remixed classic global and tropical flavors and we remix it the Sweet Intuition way, which is normally the tropical way. (laughs) (laughs) So we have like, so we take classics and then we remix them like strawberry shortcake like okay that's it's cool but why not strawberry mango shortcake you know so Mm, we that sounds delicious (laughs) yes and that is one of our best sellers as well too so we do have like other classic flavors but we are specializing strongly in like Shining light on tropical and global flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only are we a bakery, we have other ventures as well, too. So Sweet Intuition, we seek to become a conglomerate in our industry. So not only do we specialize in those remix global and tropical flavors that I was just talking about, we also have recently dropped an apparel line. We have a candle line coming out next month, which will be inspired by my flavors so if you you know you want to diet or something like that you can't have any cake that's fine just buy a candle you can <laughs> i don't know if that's gonna candle. work I, I think it'll make it'll make me run out and go uh, and, and like order order a cake from you i don't think <laughs> i mean like you know i'm like so i'm a candle uh fanatic so i love candles and for me i'm like why not just have you know who wouldn't like their home to smell like, you know, strawberry mango shortcake? Or uh, oh, my gosh. I can't not wait. Like, I'm like, <laughs> who wouldn't want that? So, you know, we have those things. And then mm-hmm. we have our sprinkle line that will be relaunched again. And then I do mm-hmm. have some edible glitter and edible luster dust that are FDA wow. compliant that will be released in the latter part of the year. So, like, we have a lot of things going on, but, like, so we have things in queue and on schedule, Mm -hmm. you know, mastering one at a time, not just mastering just everything all at one time, because that's how you easily get overwhelmed. Yeah. So, definitely not doing that. But, like, that is what intuition is. We pride ourselves on community and, you know, just giving back and also to building relationships locally. So, like, I have... Mm -hmm grown and built some relationships locally with other local businesses and also to what I was talking about like in the EWI program the ETS program is building relationships with like the farmers so I do support the local agriculture here so mm-hmm. um, like I said we work 
with those partners because I feel strongly like if I'm making money, the money, the revenue should always keep flowing within the DMV. So if yes. I'm making the money too, why not? Like, just like how when somebody support my small business, why am mm-hmm. I not supporting somebody else's small business if it's possible mm-hmm. to do so? So, like, yeah. I just like to make sure I'm doing that. Keep the that. money in the community. Yes. yes. Like, I really think that's important. So, in April 2020, you held the grand opening of Sweet Intuition's operation out of a commercial kitchen space in mm-hmm. Frederick, Maryland. Yes. Before then, you were a cottage business. Mm-hmm. Um so congratulations on Thank taking you. the next step. <laughs> Thank um, you. What was what was that process like? Ooh, the, the process. <laughs> that process was overwhelming. Um, sometimes I let the, my fear get the best of me because I, you know, I could have probably had that grand opening a lot sooner. But it was so many things that were obstacles that try to throw themselves in my way before I got mm-hmm. there. So the process to cottage business to a licensed business, you know, was an interesting one. So, you know, I did my research mm-hmm. of, you know, different commercial kitchens because I did previously, even though I was a cottage business, I worked in commercial kitchens, but I wasn't licensed. So I'm still being okay. categorized as a cottage business. So um, I looked around. I was like, where do I want my... um where are our roots going to be? Like, where are we, where are we set? Like what commercial kitchen has like the best benefit for my business model? And Mm -hmm. what I did was I made calls around in um, the region where I live. And, you know, a lot of people were busy. Um, They had a lot of closures because of the pandemic as well too. So I was aware of that. And, you know, I called around and I was able to get in contact with um, an individual locally. They own a couple of businesses in Frederick. And I was able to meet with them and do a walkthrough. Um, they gave me an application to fill out. So I filled that application out, put my deposit mm-hmm. down for that um, space. And then after that, it was up to me to go to the health department to go ahead and arrange the inspection and to provide all of the necessary information for me to become licensed. So yeah. the process could have happened a little sooner, but I had um, a cup. I had quite a few family emergencies during this pandemic, which mm-hmm. delayed the process. So, um, mm. and then the fear, I was like, "Oh my goodness, what if they reject me?" And I'm like, "I have, I have the paperwork and everything." I was like, "What if they reject me?" And I'm like, "You know what? We're not listening to you, fear." So I told myself, and I told God, I was like, "If I do not do this right now." then take this all away from me. I don't deserve to have this. So I'm going to mm. do this. So I walked myself, made myself in the snow. Cause this, look, <laughs> the snows here are really different from, you know, further in the metropolitan area. So where yeah, is everybody? We get like, we get like half an inch here. <laughs> yeah. So like we're literally getting snowed in over here. So it, it's, it's a little different, you know? So um, I walked myself there in the snow and, you know, I dropped everything in the mailbox. And then after that, you know, I had to make sure that I had, um, oh, also to do with the application for the commercial kitchen, you have to have commercial insurance that covers what you do for your mm-hmm. business. It has to be a certain okay. amount. It has to have certain coverages. If you have employees, then you have to have workers compensation on that as well, too. So I had to make sure I secured that as well. Um, But like I said, I dropped the application in at the health department. And then I just waited. And then I waited. 
And then I waited. I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to reject me. I'm like, fear, be quiet, be quiet. And yes. then um, put that fear in the back seat. Exactly. <laughs> and then from that point, like, I was like, you know what, let me continue. So I went and opened up my business, um, mm-hmm. my business checking account, because I had other accounts I was operating my business out of, but it wasn't like a business checking account. So I opened up my business checking account. And then I continued to work on my business credit. And while all that was going on, then I finally got a call back and then we arranged for the inspection and then the inspection happened and they did the walkthrough. Um, also, too, I had to turn in a HACCP plan for my business and how I would be like eliminating contaminations and things like mm. that. So that was work in itself. I was like, is this good enough? And I'm like, be quiet, fear. This is great. Like, I, this is great. I'm going to make it detailed. So I turned yeah. that HACCP in and then um, we did the walkthrough of the space. I mean, I was interviewed more about my business and how I was going to, you know, abide by the HACCP that was created. And I asked a whole bunch of questions. Meanwhile, my heart's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm asking. And then um, finally, I'm just waiting. And then, you know, told me congratulations, um, gave me the paper because I had passed the inspection. And mm-hmm. then they let me know, like, when I would be on the lookout, when to look out for my license. And yeah. After I left out of there, like, I did, like, the, I had, like, the ugliest cry. The cry was so ugly. Like, it was such an ugly cry. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, (laughs) everything that I've been trying to do is happening right now. And I was just crying. And, you know, then I went home and did, you know, a toast with my partner, my sister, and my daughter. You know, she had a little Mm. juice box. So we had the juice box (laughs) toast. Like, we we can't leave you out. You had the little juice box. and Yeah, she's part of it, too. Yeah, she is. Like, her having her and being a single mom and trying to still, you know, work full time and run a business or run a side hustle and go to school like mm-hmm. and raising her has pushed me tremendously. I've always been driven, but it has made me even more driven than I've already been naturally driven already because wow. she looks up to me. I'm I'm her role model. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. need to realize whether you like it or not, you're you are your child's first role model. Yeah. I'm her role model. She looks up to me. Everything that I'm doing, she's probably going to possibly follow what I do as well too. Like, I've even inspired her. She was watching me the other day. She told me she wants to have her own slime business. So she came with a logo. She's going to be on Etsy like in the next couple of months. And she's, (laughs) oh my God. She's really been like, she's like, I have pictures of her. She, she'll be mad at me, but I don't care. Like, I snuck a little picture. She had her leg crossed. (laughs) She has her booklet out and she's just writing the formulas and she's writing what she needs for her business. And I'm just like, wow. Personally, what I really like about Sweet Intuition is that you actually draw inspiration from your cultural upbringing to develop your recipes. How important um, has that been to you? For me, it is everything because um, when I was younger, I hate to admit it, but like I said, when I was younger, um, I was teased for my accent because Mm -hmm. I'm from the islands. I was teased by that. It wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I was like, you know what? I you know, I'm happy. Like I, I love my culture when I'm with my family. Why do I care about what these people think? Why do I want to feel like I have to, to blend in with them? Like I'm proud of my lineage and who I am. I'm proud of what makes me, me. That is my blood. That is my home. That is my culture. So now as an adult, 
it's important because it's like we have all of these awesome flavor profiles that we are we eat on a regular day basis, you know, in my culture and people are not privy to it here. So I am on a mission to enhance everyone's flavor profile here. Like they have so many awesome things like soursop is so good. Like some like, oh, it mm-hmm. tastes like a pineapple mango strawberry. I'm like, okay. Mm. If you say so, because, <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm like. You know, everyone has a different interpretation of things like we have guava. We have mm-hmm. tamarind. You have mango, which a lot of people are already used to, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like for me, it's like I feel like it's important. Like America is a melting pot. And this is my like I feel like this is my contribution to, you know, to this DMV area because I don't see enough of that. Yeah. So it made me want to go this route. Because like I said, I do see people, some people have mango or they do have some passion fruit and stuff like that. But they're not really locked into those flavor profiles. They're not able to be able to, they're not able to yield certain results because they're not aware of what it is actually utilized for. These are things that mm-hmm. I grew up with. These are things that I have become familiar with. So yeah. I know how to utilize these things like my white chocolate passion fruit or my strawberry passion fruit passion. So like yeah. those things like that. And I want to normalize unique foods, like normalize enjoying unique food. Norm- like it's in- because it's normal for yes. for the people that live in the United States that you know come from um, from the West Indies, right? I mean, they, yes. they eat these these fruits, these flavor profiles, as you said, on a daily basis. So it's it's normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's normal. Like even that, even in a Latino community, because like I said, right. I have my Latino friends. Like we 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 eat the same things, you know. We enjoy yeah. the same things. And we're like, okay, and then I, some new things I've tried for them too. So I'm like, okay. And then I have tried to give them some new things to try. But these things are prevalent in our culture. Yeah. We were eating uh, beans and rice way before Chipotle ever (laughs) came around. (laughs) That was was a a daily, you know, thing in my household, beans and rice. So, yes. Those 25-pound bags of rice and everything. Everybody's getting. I'm like, what are these little tiny in the corner of the of of the uh, in the corner of the kitchen. (laughs) Yes, and everybody's with these little miniature. What is this? Like, no, that's no, that's a miniature bag of rice. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, so you recently, you, you spoke about this a little bit earlier, but you recently released a merch line for your business and this merch line is for other, other bakers. Tell us about that. Okay. So this merch line that I had recently launched is on my other Instagram page. It's called Sweet Intuition World. So that is what I call mm-hmm. my members. I'm like, Hey, Sweet Intuition Worlders. Cause you know, like I said, my members are from people from all over. So it's called Sweet Intuition World. And the merch line is for chef, bakers, and just for fashion. So if you're a baker, I have a shirt for you. If you're a pastry chef, I have like apparel for you. If you Mm. are a chef, I have apparel for you. If you're a hobby Mm. baker, I have apparel for you. If you want to, you know, like remix some of the apparel and, you know, wear it outside for fashion, I have Mm. that for you as well, too. Because for me, what led me to, to launch my apparel was that, I wanted to like wear things, you know, as a baker and it not be wonky or cheesy. 
Like, mm-hmm. I was like, because I was looking for something. I was like, okay, I'm going to find some. Then it was like, it had like a fat pancake on it and a knife. I'm like, where am I going to wear this? Like, I'm like <laughs> I'm, where am I going to wear this? And it was like $35. I was like, where am I going to wear this? In the house? Like, I want to be able to like, you know, wear some, you know, nice apparel outside. Like, you know? Uh-huh. So that's what led me to create my apparel. So a lot of the things that I've created, I've created on my own. So I've went to different apps and I designed them. And they're pretty cool. cool. So, and then I have like this really, I even have travel bags. Like I have this really dope travel bag that, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm going to be re-releasing that one of my good friends is like, girl, I love this. This is so awesome. I'm like, yes, I know. You know? So like, it's just enjoy. If you, if you're a pastry enthusiast or you just want to, you know, do something different and be fashionable or, Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe you don't want to wear that chef coat, you know, that day we have something for you. Like (laughs) we have something for you and it's not cheap and it's not cheesy. It's not cheesy. I can't, it's not cheesy. <laughs> Christy, you should uh, join us jo- join us uh, this year for the holiday market in yes. December. Oh, that would be I would love to do that. Come in, awesome. come and sell your merch at the holiday market. <laughs> that would be awesome. And like so you can find my merch on my website at the shop mm-hmm. on the shop tab. So I have my own store open there and then I would love to come down to the holiday market and you know sell my merch there. You yeah. know? That would be fun. We would love to have you. Yeah. yeah. Now, Christy, when you joined the ETS program, you were running your business from your home. Mm-hmm. Now you operate out of a commercial kitchen in Frederick, Maryland. Mm-hmm. What lessons have you learned that you think would be valuable to entrepreneurs who are in the process of or thinking of renting a commercial kitchen? Sit down and really be real with yourself. Plan the logistics out for that. Do your market research. Look for a program that would help support your aspirations like the EWI ETS program. That would be one. That would be a first step to doing that. <laughs> um, a must. After, yes, exactly. That you have to do that. Then after that, you know, go back through your business plan. Um, continue to evaluate your goals. Revise as many times as you need to. And start Be logistically smart and logically minded about how you start your business. So Mm -hmm. for myself, you know, the first thing I could have done was you're not going to have secured a loan and just opened up a space, but it's still a pandemic. I've seen a lot going around me. I've seen people, people are still losing their livelihoods and their businesses right Mm now. So like, look at the area. And I'm not saying that it's not for you to not go big, but sometimes it's always good to start smart. And then once start, things start picking up, it's no, it's nothing wrong with going big after that point. So yeah. be, put your ego aside, be transparent, check your business plan. And then also too, for entrepreneurs like myself that are seeking to have their own bakeries and things like that, if you're going to get a commercial kitchen, check the cleanliness of that commercial kitchen check what their ratings are or if they have any health code violations. Mm-hmm. Check to see if you can have get if they can help you get your business licensed. If you're seeking to become a licensed business because all commercial kitchens are not created the same. So mm-hmm. certain commercial kitchens, they will be there, you know, you you exchange money for a time there to create your works 
and then you leave. Then they have other ones that will assist you in the process to obtaining your business license. Check your hourly rates. Make sure you read the contracts before you sign them. Because sometimes some of us are so happy to just be in business. They don't read the contracts and then you end up putting yourself in a situation that you now wish you could get yourself out of, you know? So check your contracts. Um, Check the culture of that commercial kitchen if possible if you have other tenants inside those commercial kitchens as well too because that will play a tremendous role in the success of your business as well too because whether we want to believe it or not other people's energy or how they choose to operate things can affect your business and you don't want anything that's going to affect your business to harm your business take the time to like establish like your business get yourself get your finances together get your credit together Put yourself in situations where you can assist others where you can or, you know, build build a foster a relationship with local businesses like get in there and get your get get in there and get your arms dirty. Like get in there and like because community is everything because when it's all said and done, the community support is going to determine if you your business thrives or does not thrive. You can have all of the out of. Absolutely. support you want to but the community support is going to determine if you succeed or you do not succeed being genuine and transparent is important mm. and please 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 do not be egotistical like that is the last thing that's needed like everyone is out here trying to have a living do not mm-hmm. be any of those things and also yeah, there's, to take, a, there's enough for everyone. There, there is like I'm mm-hmm. all the day. I'm I'm community over competition. I'm collaboration over competition. And mm-hmm. that is why I feel like my business model thrives the way that it does, because no matter whatever I go through, I'm always showing love and sharing light to other people. I've been through so much adversity in my life, mm-hmm. so much like I should even be where I'm at right now. Like, now I'm thinking about, like, I shouldn't be here at this point right now. But I'm making it happen. And, like, I just hope and I seek to inspire other people. Like, so that is my purpose. As I'm moving through life and as I keep elevating, Mm -hmm. I'm seeking to inspire other people. So to all those entrepreneurs out there, I'm hoping that you take something from this podcast and that I inspire you guys. And also, too, make sure you open up a business checking account. Keep your business account separate from your personal. That is so important. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> something that we say quite often in the program um, because a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, um, when they were trying to apply for um aid during the pandemic uh, were having issues with applying for aid because of the fact that they had one of the reasons not it was in all of the reasons but one of the reasons was because uh, they had their their personal and their business money in the same pot so yeah you yeah. definitely do have to separate it thank you for mentioning that um, okay. yeah that, definitely that is so yeah important. that was great advice <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. is super important that or- you have to keep it organized because at, at a moment's notice, like when you need to apply for something, you need to have your your financial documents in order, all of your licenses, permits, 
Mm-hmm. Keep them in one place so that you need you're, they're there when you need to to utilize them. Yes, uh, yeah, it's Absolutely. important. Just like that lady. Um, oh my goodness, she would probably be so Tope. Tope, yeah. So like I said, even our financial educator. Yeah, yeah to- she's like, one of our financial educators. Yeah, like Tope. You know, like if you have to code your stuff in numbers, like just do it. Do what you have to do, like. Cause we're we're all trying to win out here. Like we don't want you to get yourself mm-hmm. caught up. Your business is thriving, and then you know you're trying to move to the next level, and you can't because everything is in your personal account, and then mm-hmm. you've like disqualified yourself. Yeah. Well, Christy, thank you so much for sharing all that valuable advice. I'm sure there's someone out there who's listening who will find it very very useful. Yeah. Yeah, and um, congratulations on all you you accomplished, um, and thank you for joining us and sharing your story. I can't I can't wait to see the next uh the next step for for you for sweet intuitions um I, I can just see such a bright future um Absolutely. for you and and your family and if you're interested in trying some of the delicious desserts sweet intuition has to offer visit their website sweetintuitions.com until next time everyone <laughs>